Welcome to Radio Holdarkey's Off The Record Podcast with Matt Heath and Jeremy Wells. Our next guest is one of the biggest rock stars of the 21st century. His most well-known band, Queens of the Stone Age, has been around since 1996 and he's been the only constant member throughout multiple lineup changes. They're playing three New Zealand gigs in five weeks' time and the front man's joining us today to talk about those and more. Please welcome to the Matt and Jerry Show, Josh Homme. Matt and Jerry, how are you? G'day, Josh. Josh, um, uh, over the years, uh, Matt and I, we've, you, won't, you won't remember us, of course, but we have interviewed a few times. And look, some of the situations, or one of the situations in particular, for me anyway, didn't go so well when you came to Auckland. Um, I thought it was smart or clever or something to bring some bluff oysters along because I wanted to give you some gifts of, of <laughs> New Zealand because bluff oysters are like some kind of delicacy here. And I thought... I said, oh, would you like an oyster? And you're like, well, I don't really like oysters. And I, I said, oh, you know, would you like just to try one? And they're really good. And you're, I suppose. And then I spilt the juice because when you open up the, the little pottle, it often goes and sprays out the juice everywhere. And, and I spilt the juice all over the floor of your dressing room. I'm told that it stunk. That water really, really st- Is this an apology? I, uh, this is I, an I apology. Pre- I appreciate this confessional, but I honestly, I think you're kind of known for your stinky juice. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah, like, but basically, whether you're spilling Kaimoana juice, there's always some kind of stinky juice involved in your interviews. I, since since that interview, I've come to enjoy oy- oysters, and I wonder if it doesn't track back to your stinky juice. Oh, wow. Well, that, if that's the case, that would make me really... You got acclimated from having a stinky juice. See what you've done in the end? You actually... You know, small town boy makes good. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. Josh, I, I was reading the other day that uh, you're on the record of saying that kids should learn music in, in school. And both Matt and I uh, have kids and both of them, we've attempted to, to force them to, to play music and they refuse to do their music lessons. What, what do you do about that? Like, what would you do in that situation? Because, I mean, does forcing kids to play music foster a love of, of music in the end or, or potentially a resentment? I think it fosters a, a love of sweatshops. I mean, <laughs> I think forcing kids to do anything <laughs> and down that road. I think what I probably meant is that, is that the option needs to be there for kids to explore. And I think the arts in general, regardless of medium, um, should be part of a kid's daily diet. You know, I, I wouldn't force my kids to play music. I just want to, whatever their interest is, I'd try to support what that is, you know? And and I, th- I don't think it matters as long as there's... Uh, some creative outlet like my my littlest boy was asking me if i could buy him a creepy coloring book because he just wants to color creepy drawings in <laughs> you know like halloween style drawings yeah stuff. yeah i think in my in our family we've gone too hard because when my, my son was two we bought him a little junior drum kit and we had the whole band room set up from his whole life and as a result it's always been too available to him i think what would have been better approach with it's certainly me- two is like almost two is almost too early <laughs> it <laughs> was definitely now i know now i've had another one because, I, know, I know because at that at that point you're just learning your first words and you're walking <laughs> around and falling into sharps and like familiarity breeds contempt so if yeah. it's always there you made a huge error no, <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. yeah. <laughs> I, I, t- I tell you this, there is a backfire of some stuff where it's like you don't want to reinforce someone with the idea they can just try something and quit all the yeah. time as well. There's a balancing act there, right? Yeah. yeah. The starting and quitting of things. But that's why I also think, you know, it's great to have time limits like, okay, if you want to try this, you can try it for two weeks. And that way, no one's, there's no love lost if someone says they don't like something, you know? I've often used that for producing records. 
if someone's on the fence about if should we do a whole record, it's it's much more. The Arctic Monkeys actually taught me this when I worked with them all those years ago. It was like let's just work together for two weeks and see what happens. Oh yeah, and yeah. What that did is it created a chance for us to just be ourselves and do the best you can without saying it needs to be eight songs or whatever it is. You're just working on the best you can do, and at that two week time limit, we can readdress it there. And if and if we both walk away at that moment. There's no love lost because that's what we were supposed to do initially, and I think that that somehow lots of these things I've learned in production they help with parenting. You know what I mean? That makes sense for a Tinder date as well. Like if you open a Tinder date and your your first thing is uh, I want to meet you and I'm going to ask you to marry me, then <laughs> they're not they're not sure. going to turn up. It's too like, much commitment. Too, you run too early. The wind. Yeah, I think although I've never been on Tinder, I think this would also apply where you say we should go on a date for two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and well, then if we don't like it at the end, um, we should give the baby away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's Josh Homme, frontman of Queens of the Stone Age. They're playing three New Zealand shows next month. Up next, we're going to ask him about his songwriting process. Pretty cliched question. Here's "No One Knows" by Queens of the Stone Age. Great tune. One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy. You've got a girl. Get the snip. You're done. You get to figure out what it's like raising a girl. You get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Queens of the Stone Age, who are back in the country in five weeks' time playing shows in Christchurch, Auckland and Wellington. So we're talking to their front man, Josh Homme, now. Welcome back, Josh. So, Josh, you're a prolific songwriter. Have you always got music running through your head? Well, I've always had tunes running in my head. I almost call it, I call it soundtracking, you know. I'm just walking to that beat. And, and oftentimes, it doesn't matter if it's a windshield wiper or, or a car alarm or walking on the street. It just... You start marching to the beat of factually your own drummer, and and so it's, it's just always been there. Have you ever lost any riffs? I mean, if you, you say you got these these music walking around in your head, have you have you lost any? Do you think you've lost some great riffs that you've just moved on to the next thing before you've got to a guitar to get it down? You know, I I know I have, but for years, <laughs> as someone that's abused my body so hard over the years, <laughs> I often thought that. There's a concept of zeroing. It's like if you have a vodka, but you have grapefruit juice, and together they make zero. You know, one's negative, one's positive, and there you go. And in the spirit of that analogy, oftentimes I would say, I need to remember this riff to exercise my brain. So I would sing it over and over and over and over. And I thought, if I lose it, it's not good enough. You know, right. I'm not oh. sure if that's actually true or not. You know, songs are just these little gifts that aren't really yours, anyways. Yeah. It's interesting because I've written the greatest songs in the world when I've been asleep and then uh, I've woken up and haven't been able to remember them. And I've always wondered if they were actually any, well, any was good. was it a song or just the idea? Or was the it's dream actually the, the idea of a song? The, the, the dream's probably the idea that you've written the greatest song of the time and you haven't actually, you probably haven't actually created anything in your dream. I know this is a cliche question, but it's always interesting to know from famous musicians like yourself. Which song, is there a song that you wish that you wrote? Uh, Suffragette City, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I, I, I guess it's Wish I Wrote is a little different. I would say songs I just think to myself like, wow, this is incredible, you know. Um, but it's changed over the years. I just heard the song New Kid in Town by the Eagles oh, recently. Yeah. I was like, wow, that song is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's a good <laughs> song. the way it moved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's such a joy to sing that song, sing along with it. Yeah, I, I music is so funny because it's not it's an it's an intangible. I mean, you do hear it, but you can't pull it close. It just does all that work by creeping inside of you, you know. Yeah. Which actually, the way I said that there makes it a little gross, but well, I do think that the fact that it gets a hold of you and does something to you is just so it's so gorgeous that it is inexplicable how it works and why it works. There's a lot of you and inside a lot of people. Well, that's what I was going to say. How weird is it to know? I mean, you know. Actually, I, you just made it kind of hot for a second. <laughs> yeah, I was turned on. How weird is that? Way you, to turn it back. <laughs> your, brain, your brain makes something up. You then go and record that at a particular moment in time. Um, you know, Matt and I listen to it whatever time that we do. Our brains then zoom it around in, in our brain. That's then transplanted into our brains. We carry that around with us in a particular way. That must be kind of weird if you if you think about it too much, that there's a whole lot of people walking around with your stuff in them. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's, it's a lot like love, though. I mean, you know, you love your mom, right? Yep. Well, you can't see it. It's like I couldn't bottle it. And by creating something that you would love so much, you'd give it to someone else. I want you to have this thing, you know? Yeah. And in its simplest form, it's not too different than a handmade birthday card in that yeah. way, you know? Yeah. And, and, and when, when songs are darker and more aggressive or more angry, they're such a, a classy way to voice, you know, anger over injustice or unrequited love or, or being betrayed or, or, or hating the government or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's such a, an effervescent way to move between peoples. <laughs> yeah. What, what I also find interesting is you talk about bottling it, but that, that one take that's picked, like if you talk about Suffragette City, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That, that one time he said that, the one recording that was then put to ear, that then they picked that take and then that take gets heard a trillion times. But I just find that really interesting, you know, when I listen to music, that that was the take that was that was taken. That's the one that's repeated and played over and yeah. it's digitally now and it's repeated and, and if repeated. You listen to a different, if you listen to a different take, you'd oh, say it's so mind. different. Yeah, you heard another yeah, one but of those takes. I, I think this is what comes down to the artist that handcrafted nature of this. You know, you make a decision because you say, hey, I, I may be saying this five times, but this is the one. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that, see, in this modern day and age, people have come to find out that they could perfect their music, they could correct their music, they could quantize it and make sure the music obeys a click. The goal of music isn't to make sure it's on a fucking click. It's to get an emotion across, and emotions are imperfect. That's why the new Queen's record is so brutally mixed, and there's mistakes, and yeah. the tempos go up and down as they should, because um, you're trying to take a sonic photograph, an actual snapshot of an emotion in time and freeze it you know and it's not supposed to be perfect it's supposed to be raw and real and honest how can you convey vulnerability in, a, in an auto-tune vocal you can't what what you have is something good to dance to that where they copy paste the same chorus vocal and what you get is the energy of monotony uh, in those moments and don't get me wrong i love lots of dance music but that is a different style of crafting that's not my job you know, my job isn't to fix things. It's to sh show the beauty in something that's already broken, you know? Wow, yeah. Well, Josh, we're looking we forward to seeing you play when you come down to New Zealand. 
And yeah, uh, me too. The great thing is you'll be arriving at a time when the Bluff Oyster season has started, <laughs> so you'll be able to sample the great joys of the New Zealand Bluff Oysters again, which is which is great. I, I, I look forward to your snotty morsels and your um, stinky juice. <laughs> Josh, thanks very much for talking to us. Best of luck with everything. Likewise. Have a good one, boys. Thanks, Josh. So, uh, because you said that you wish that you'd written Suffragette City, here is Suffragette City by David Bowie. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Another man and Jerry show on Radio Haraki for your Friday. Bowie on the Matt and Jerry show. So that is the song there that Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age wished that he'd written. Yeah, wished he had. I reckon he's written better, better songs than that. Like I'm a huge David Bowie fan, but that's nowhere near David Bowie's best song. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Get out of there, Josh Homme. What are you also, he's a big fan of a lot of Iggy's songs too. Yeah, loves Iggy. I kind of get that. Radio Hauraki's Off The Record podcast. Why not subscribe so they download automatically? And don't forget to rate us. Five stars. Thanks, mate. Find out more about this podcast and the people who make it at hauraki.co.nz.